to the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. We are in week two of our series, Peace. So just a little quick recap. Last week we were talking about Abraham... Because Abraham's the first time we see this word peace used, this whole thing of like this Hebrew idea of shalom. So I don't know about you, but I kind of grew up in church where if you're going for a rocky time or had some anxiety, someone will come, they will pray for you, they put their hand on your shoulder, give you a warm feeling and just say something nice like, I just pray you give Annie the peace that surpasses all understanding. And I'll be there like you full, full of riddled with anxiety, having no understanding about your situation. And now you give me something you can't even understand. And you'd feel this amazing temporary warmth, but then the temporary warmth is gone. It's like, is the peace that's past understanding, surpassing my understanding in that it's gone here one day, gone the next. And these kind of moments is it like so fluttering and stuff like that. And I mean, I don't know if you've heard it. I think even Jody said it to me the other day. She told me about a situation. She's laughing because she knows where I'm going. And she was like, they just stole my peace. They stole my peace. It's like, what do you mean they stole your peace? You gave your peace away. They can't steal your peace. Someone can't come out with like a knife on road and go like, hey, give me your Jesus. You can't. You can't take it. Jeez. People can't take your peace. I hear it all the time in Christian circles. Like, he just took my peace. No, he didn't. He irritated you and you gave in. You gave it away. Keep a hold of that thing. It's precious. So we're going to be looking at a few things. I just want to give you kind of a little glimpse because today what we're looking at is Abraham was go in peace. You will go in peace to your forefathers. That the end of your life, everything is going to be whole. You're going to be complete. You're going to be lacking in nothing. And you're going to go to your forefathers. Abraham lacked a son. And Abraham tried to have his own son in his own strength, which is what you and I try to do when we're lacking son. We try to make our own way to that thing that will complete us. And he found out very quickly that God said, I'm going to give this to you. This is what I give to you. This isn't something you just get a hold of. So this week we're looking at what Jesus said, where Jesus said, my peace I give to you. And he says, not as the world gives it. So in some way, the peace that Jesus is offering and giving to you and to me is somehow distinctly different from the peace that the world offers. Otherwise, what he says doesn't make any sense. So I'm going to just read to you some brief words associated with uh, shalom, which is the Hebrew word and concept for peace. It's a whole theology. It's not just a word. So... It's be finished, to have satisfaction, repay, reward, fulfill a vow, recompense, retribute, to make complete, finish, make peace, fulfill, surrender, friendship, happiness, well-being, prosperity, health, luck, kindness, salvation, agreement, uninjured, safe, complete, peaceable, repayment. Retribution. So all of those things are in this one word. And at different moments in the Bible, when you read this word peace, it's attached to those different things in those different ways and those different circumstances and setting. But in and of itself, when it's completely complete, when the Jewish people, which is why they greet each other saying shalom and shalom at the end of the conversation, it's because that's what their pursuit is. It's like Abraham, that one day they would go in peace to their forefathers, that they would be complete, they would be made whole. John 14, we're going to do a lot of reading today. So if you've got your Bible with you, go for it on the City Hill app or another one, call whatever. I'm going to be reading from the ESV Bible. John chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I would I have told you that I go prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. That where I am, 
you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I don't say of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you a helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will also live. In that day you will know that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever does my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the whole world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to him and make home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the words you hear is not mine, but the father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remem your remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. You heard me say, you heard me say to you, I'm going away. I will come to you. If you love me, you will have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. And now I've told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you. For the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. There we go. So Jesus lays out a few things. A lot of what he's talking about there is salvation. A lot of what he's talking about there is the gospel. A lot of the stuff he's talking about is all these things, but what he's talking about consistently throughout the whole topic, throughout the whole discourse, is really about peace. It's about peace. He starts off saying, don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. I'm going away. I'm preparing a place for you. Don't be troubled. And then he says to them, when he's gone, he's saying, you'll be able to ask anything in my name and I will give it to you. Anything in my name, in my name, in my will, in my nature, in who I am, I will give you these things. So the reason they get these things is because it's in his name, because not just it is in his name, they are in his name. He explains to them the reason he does the works that he does is that he is in the Father and the Father is in him. 
So Jesus has this peace because he's in God. So Abraham was able to go in peace because he went into what God has for him. Jesus is in peace. Now, here's the thing where you and I get things wrong. And here's where we can end up saying things like, he stole my peace from me. We can say that because we believe in peace to be the absence of conflict. Jesus talks about his peace he gives us. You look throughout the gospel, show me where Jesus is walking around absent from conflict. He's constantly in conflict the whole time. He's not there going like, oh, they just stole my peace from me. They just robbed me of this or this. He doesn't let go of anything. He keeps it. He keeps it. He talks about in another passage about sending them out. He says, if you go to a place and you go to preach there, they don't receive you. You like dust the, the sand off your feet and, and, and you, you go in peace. You, you move away from it. It's like you don't change who you are. You stay with where you are. They don't want that. That's cool. You move on. You move. But you keep going in your peace. You keep going in it. You don't surrender in it. You don't compromise it. You don't let it go. They're able to ask him for things because they know that they are in him, in what he's doing. So it's not a case of all of a sudden they're in him and then they're asking for some next private jet. They're not in him and asking for some next things that have nothing to do with what he has for them. They're not just asking him about extra luxury items that they would like to have in their life and he'll do anything in their name. He's talking about being in him in the same way that the Father is in him. You haven't seen examples of Jesus going around asking for extra add-ons all the time of crazy things that he just gets answers to. What you see Jesus doing is as he says, I don't do things of my own authority. I don't do things of my own initiative. But you see who the Father is in Jesus. Because when the children of Israel were in slavery, they cried out to him, and God sent Moses, God had a plan and God delivered them. And he delivered them from their suffering. You see Jesus is walking along and people around him are interacting in him in situations. People who are blind, people who are deaf, people whose daughter is dying and then does die. All these situations, he's stepping into situations and he knows he's stepping into what his father has for him and he's stepping in that peace. It's that peace that he's able to do that. And so he's trying to let them know that actually we need to be within one another. One of the strange things is that when I look at the Old Testament, one of the key phrases for who Jesus is, is found in Isaiah 9. For unto us, every Christmas, man, this gets banged out, doesn't it? Every Christmas. For unto us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of his increase, of his government, and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The Prince of Peace, the Prince of Peace. That's why when we look in the New Testament, when we sing that at Christmas and we'll be singing it again this year, we'll be thinking about it. It's because straight away, it's like the biggest spoiler alert, Easter egg if you're a movie fan. Oh, check out the Easter egg, check out the egg, check out the egg, egg drop here, egg drop here, pointing it out. It's because before Jesus comes, he's called the Prince of Peace because God was going to send his son that in his son, you and I could receive a gift of peace like nothing we ever dreamed of, like nothing we ever thought was possible. He says, my peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, and not as the world gives it. So when Jesus says, not as the world gives it, what's he talking to? What's he talking about? 
for the New Testament readers, the guys reading the gospel, engaging with this text for the first time, as they were hearing those words, not just to those sitting in front of him, to those sitting in front of him, he's saying that he is the peace that God gives for all people throughout all space and time. But for the first readers of the text who are reading this passage, there would have been only one other person they would have had in mind. There'd have been one other force and power that would have jumped straight to their mind as soon as he said, my peace I give to you and not as the world gives it. You see, Jesus turns up to Jerusalem for his triumphant entry and they're laying down all the palm branches and Jesus is coming on a donkey and they start shouting out, Hosanna, Hosanna, son of David, set us free, set us free. And as he comes to enter the the city, he's got options of left and right. And I think towards the right was the Roman garrison. I may have got this all around. And to the left was the temple. And as he's entering and they're shouting, Hosanna, son of David, set us free. They're waiting for him to go and move to the Romans and just do pure murkage, batter these guys, kill them and take over the city. They're looking for this, this peace because you see their understanding of peace and the Bible's understanding of peace is not always in the absence of conflict. Sometimes in the Bible they're told to go to war and they're told about you will go in peace, you'll be in peace. And you're like, what? But it's, it's war. Because there's this understanding with Shalom that there's this retribution, this balance that has to take place for things to be in perfect equilibrium and balance again. And as Jesus enters, everyone's looking and in their mind's eye, he's going straight to the Romans to lay down the smackdown. And instead he turns off to the temple. And as he gets to the temple, he picks up a whip and he starts whipping people. He starts flipping the tables over. He's kicking the chairs over. And he says, you have made my father's house a den of thieves. They created in this one space where it was the only space where the Gentiles could come and pray. There was no room for them. It was where they were selling everything ready for Passover. And Jesus was saying, you've lost the plot. You've created no space for those outside of your group can have and encounter the peace of God, that they can encounter this wonderful gift. He comes and he gives us this peace. He is the Prince of Peace. They wanted to see a type of peace that would oppose the Romans. They wanted to see the retribution to come on the Romans. Because Caesar rocked up at Israel with his army, not personally, he sent a side man, running things, who would come. And what they would say to you was this. They would say, Caesar is Lord. And if you didn't say Caesar is Lord, they killed you all. And they took over the town. And they invaded town after town, city after city, nation after nation, standing there with the banner up saying, Caesar is Lord. That's why the early Christians started to go around saying Jesus is Lord. Because people saw the image of Caesar, who was a man who would push an agenda. And the only way the Romans spoke about peace is they were bringing peace to the world by forcing it through what they would see as like redemptive violence. So they believed they could put this stamp on the world where they could bring, only they could bring peace and order. And yet the opposite we saw is we see Jesus come and the Christians would say Jesus is Lord because Caesar would kill others, but Jesus would lay his life down that we might receive peace. And so people started to pull to this narrative of Jesus and the gospel because it was the completely opposite to Caesar. So Caesar was in the world and the world was offering peace by violence, by economic power, and by all these types of things. Jesus was walking around as a homeless, bivocational rabbi, laying down his life for his sheep. Laying down his life for his sheep. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. But not as the world gives it. So often we have this idea 
that for us to get the peace that we need, the goals that we need in life to fulfill our objectives, we have to be like Caesar. We have to turn up and push our will and push our objective over people. Whereas Jesus completely flipped the script where he saw humanity's greatest need in this disconnection with God. And shalom, in its truest sense, is to be reconnected with him. As a religious concept, shalom is essentially part of Yahweh's plan of salvation. All peace comes from him and he is the foundation of peace. If relationship with Yahweh is corrupted, there can be no peace. From the ironic blessing, it is evident that the person to whom God gives peace is blessed. That's why next week we'll be looking at the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed is he. Blessed are the peacemakers. Truly happy. The person whom God gives his peace is blessed. Guarded and treated graciously. Because peace designates the state or condition of a renewed relationship with God as part of his salvation. The messianic child is called Sa Shalom, Prince of Peace. The coming of the King of Peace in Zechariah 9, 9-10 is portrayed as the beginning of the comprehensive state of peace and universal dominion. Jesus came that he might give peace to you, to me, but bigger than just any one tribe or tongue, it would transcend all time throughout all people. Abraham finds his peace in Christ's work on the cross. Moses finds his peace in Christ's work on the cross. The people who were slaves in Egypt were set free through Christ's work on the cross. They looked to the Lamb of God, to the Lamb that they, that they cut, that they sacrificed, and the blood they put on the doorpost. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that Jesus on the cross... He said these words, it is finished. Shalom is about being complete and it's about being a finished work. Jesus on the cross didn't complete a work in himself for himself. He completed a work for you, for me, for many, for those around us. He gave us a gift that transcends anything anyone can take from you in a moment. He gives a gift like no one else. His peace cannot be taken away. His peace cannot be destroyed. His peace is finished. His peace is perfect. His work is done. That you and I can be forgiven of our sins. That you and I can be whole in who we are. That you and I can be finished. That you and I can be reconnected to our Father in heaven. I'm going to pray for us today and that'll be it. Father God, I just pray that you would come by your spirit. Each one of us has different areas of our life that we look at like Abraham did, where we just feel in lack, where we feel like we're not complete because of this one thing. I pray, Lord, that through your will, through your purposes, you'll complete it. You said that it was good that you were going to the Father because the, the helper, the comforter would come, Holy Spirit. And it's almost like he's this agent of change and bringing shalom and peace to all of us. I pray that right now, Lord, would be a moment in our lives where we could say that you started to bring peace in, that another piece of the puzzle, another piece of the jigsaw fell into place. Father, I thank you that in Jesus, we find someone who gives us peace, not as the world gives it, but in its fullest sense, that we could be finished works, that we could be complete, that we could be whole, that we could be lacking in nothing. I thank you, Lord, that he was in the Father and he offers us the chance to be in him, which means to be in the Father also. Father, I pray by your spirit that you would come and you would meet with each one of us and start to bring that journey of healing in our own lives 
and that day by day we would grow in our faith and our trust in you, that you would be the one to make us whole. In Jesus' name. hope you enjoyed today's message and if you'd like to find out more about city hill please visit our website cityhill.london